Welcome. This is Reverend Dr. Don Oyel, your spirit caster, and today we will discuss the many, many innumerable spiritual issues that humanity faces. Whether it's the spiritual needs that we all require in our lives and seek, the spiritual suffering and pain that some of us have experienced in our lives and even in the present moment, the spiritual well-being that you and I experience throughout our lives and talk about those in our own personal ways. We will also look at the spiritual well-being in the workplace and what needs to happen for most of us to feel a spiritual well-being in the workplace. Today there are times when we need to address the spiritual. Some people have difficulties voicing or putting into words the word spirit or the word spiritual. So let's, let's test ourselves and take some moments to articulate this word spirit or spiritual. So let's repeat the word spirit at least 10 times out loud or to yourself. Spirit, 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 spirit. How about spiritual? Let's repeat that one 10 times. Spiritual, 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 spiritual. I am spiritual. I am spiritual. You are spiritual. We are spiritual. So as we have moved along and enunciated the word spirit and or spiritual, how does that feel to you? Do you use that word often in your life? Or do you hear others using the word spirit or spiritual in their conversations? Because you and I are by nature spirit or spiritual beings, we ought to be comfortable identifying our innate nature as we call ourselves spiritual beings. Now, in a non-threatening manner, you can reflect on an individual spiritual orientation just by asking a simple question. For example, what's going well for you today and how are your spirits? Another, can you share with me your spiritual journey? And still another, how do you define your spirit?
All these can very well open a dialogue with someone. And in this particular sense, spiritual issues may include blessings, religious rituals, or prayers. And I'm sure some of you who are religiously oriented may ask those questions. Or spiritual issues may also include secular observations. Observances as nurturing yourself when bearing witness to the setting sun or taking in the scent of, of an aromatic rose flower or even listening or playing your favorite type of music, even reciting or reading your desired poetry. So what nourishes our spirit? Or how do you nurture your higher self? Do any of you out there embrace the beauty of monotasking? That's a new word, isn't it? For some, many people understand it, uh, multitasking. But here is a monotask. That is by paying attention in a very particular way. And this being on purpose, and this being present moment to moment without making judgments when you're speaking or conversing with someone. Let me repeat that again. It's purposeful. Monotasking is purposeful and being present moment by moment with someone without making judgments. Yes, contemplative single-pointed awareness is a spiritual practice. In the 21st century, as is known today, mindfulness practice is essentially a spiritual practice. Mindfulness practice helps to declutter the mind, body, and emotions. Why? I believe there is an inescapable sense of pain that we have learned to deal with through doses of opioids. Anything that tends to shut it down or repress the pain. Though the body develops a tolerance to many of these drugs. And that means that people will continue and perpetuate repressing or suppressing this pain through higher and higher doses of medication that are understood by many of those who take opioids in general, it tends to trigger the sense of euphoria, which eventually, however, causes addiction. Whether it is the opening or closing the floodgates to the nociceptor pain signals in our brain through pain-killing drugs, which instills euphoria, we still have a difficult understanding of what pain is. 
So as we talked about spiritual pain, spiritual suffering, physical, emotional, and mental pain, let's dive into this a little bit further. The biology of pain has a purpose. Self-preservation, generally speaking. People run away from pain and seek ways to avoid it. But the truth is that pain is a gift. This is spiritual pain, providing us it as a gift to you and to me. Without pain, you would not reflexively recoil your hand upon touching a burning stove or know to avoid walking barefoot over nails. Those actions motivated by the direct experience of pain help us to minimize the risk of bodily injury. Painful sensations serve as an alert system that informs your brain that something is imbalanced inside the body. Rather than suppressing the effects of persistent pain via medications like opioids, the individual's overall health would be better served through an exploration of the pain's underlying cause. Unfortunately, hundreds of thousands of people have developed an addiction to pain-relieving drugs, and for these persons, pain has become merely a disease that needs to be suppressed. So what is pain? Let's look at it from a spiritual angle. Let's look at it from a Western and a non-Western perspective of pain. In Western medical and psychological literature for the definition of pain, pain is defined as a great deal of equivocation. That is, pain is defined as subjective because it varies with the individual. Pain is also defined as psychosomatic which is a convenient catch-all word that really does not explain pain. Pain also can be defined as organic, a bodily injury like a burn, to be understood as a result from nerve-ending injury. When you look at it, contemporary Western society is, is desperately concerned with the alleviation of pain, but has not a clear idea what pain is. On the non-Western and particularly on the Eastern Oriental perspective of pain defines pain as spiritual. That is, our instinctive being constantly lets us know and seeks a state of mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual equilibrium. All pain is, is a request or denial to your mind to help restore this equilibrium. It is a positive process. This particular definition declares that you have an instinctive self that will persist in subjecting you to pain if, if you do not bend to its needs. This instinctive self will persist in subjecting you to pain if you do not 
bend to its needs and will discontinue the pain once you adjust to this instinctive need. Unless you exist in the desired state of equilibrium, then there will be inevitably be pain. From the spiritual definition of pain, nature uses pain with an infallible purpose. Therefore, the purpose of pain is spiritual, and spiritual pain is simply a warning system. Pain or pleasure signals tends to govern our lives, and pain has an astounding logic and distinct function. The spiritual secret that is found in Eastern, non-Western traditions is awareness or consciousness. Now, for many uh, scientists, consciousness is subjective and not objective enough to be understood through research investigation. However, today there have been many, many research uh, articles written on, on pain, and particularly spiritual pain, and because consciousness is another research matter that uses subjective research qualifications. And therefore, by subjectively researching through experiences with, with those who experience various levels or altered states of consciousness, is now being reported in our literature. Now, as we go back to our awareness and or consciousness, which can be defined as an awareness of what is, in, in this particular case of pain, a feeling pain, a release of pain, of the subtle reality that underlies our apparent reality. Instinct is the strongest preventative force that never stops working for you or I. Why, then, do we fail to use this natural capacity? Simply because there is a misunderstanding of pain. We label pain as a sickness and as a disease. Nonetheless, pain is a brilliant signal. It's telling us to do something, to right ourselves at a deeper level, at a spiritual level. Pain is telling you and I what to do. As we examine the definition of pain, both from the Western and non-Western perspective, Western medical and psychological literature, as we have already talked about, looks at pain as a great deal of equivocation. 
Whereas an Eastern and non-Western philosophy of pain, spiritual pain is a warning system. It's an alert system. That deep down our self, our higher self, is alerting us that something within us needs to be set right. And it will continue to evoke pain until we set it right. You know, I often feel humanity is in the midst of a mindfulness revolution. And this is one of the reasons uh, why I have started this podcast called Spirit, Spiritual Cast, or Spirit Cast. Because mindfulness is the new science of health and happiness. Mindfulness strives towards spiritual well-being. Spiritual well-being means, for me, the ability to experience and integrate meaning and purpose in life through a person's connection with their self, with others, a connection with art, a connection with music, a connection with literature, or even a connection with a power greater than oneself. Spiritual well-being is about our inner life and its relationship with the wider world. It includes our relationship with the environment. It includes our relationship with others and with ourselves. Spiritual well-being does not reflect just religious beliefs, although for people of a religious faith, it is obviously a central feature. Each person's spirituality is greatly impacted by the community they are part of and their relationships. To be spiritually well means a positive engagement with others, a positive engagement with oneself, and a positive engagement with one's environment. You know, the many benefits of spiritual well-being include feeling content with your life, maintaining a balance and control of your life, building positive relationships in your life, experiencing a connection with a power greater than yourself, and accepting and growing from the challenges and changes in your life. Spiritual well-being is about wholeness, which encompasses the physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual dimensions. This doesn't mean that you must be well in every area to be spiritually well. Someone may be physically unwell, yet have a positive spiritual well-being, which helps them cope with their physical difficulties. More and more people today are finding inspiration and fulfillment in their jobs by bringing their spirituality into the workplace. 
as we transition into the workplace and the spiritual nature of the workplace. The nature and meaning of work are undergoing a profound evolution, a mindfulness evolution. An emergence of spirituality in the workplace points to desire, to the desire that there be more to work than just survival and security. We yearn for work to be a place in which we both experience and express our deep soul and spirit. For example, you may ask, what does it mean to experience spirituality in the workplace? Spirituality in the workplace means that employees find nourishment for both the vertical and horizontal, horizontal dimensions of their spirituality at work. Spirituality in the workplace is about individuals and organizations seeing work as a spiritual path, as an opportunity to grow and to contribute to society in a meaningful way. There are critics, of course, who argue that organizations have no business imposing spiritual values on employees. This particular criticism is undoubtedly valid when spirituality is defined as bringing religion and God into the workplace. Whereas spirituality in the workplace is about care, compassion, and support of others. It means individuals and organizations attempting to live their values more fully in the work that they do. Here are some examples of organizational spirituality. Meditation time at the beginning of meetings. That's a good one. Many organizations at the workplace are beginning to reflect, even if it is a meditation or a contemplative reflection. Another is a retreat or spiritual training set aside for employees. Or an appropriate accommodation of employees' prayer practices. Here's another one. Openly asking questions to test if company actions are aligned with higher meaning and purpose. That's a really important one that's beginning to show its face in the workplace. Spirituality can be nurtured at a workplace by, here are some of the examples, bereavement programs. You know, there are quite a few people who may find uh, their mental state, you know, their that mental care is very, very important and may turn to a church or may turn to a, a pastor, may turn to a psychologist, a psychotherapist, may turn to a personal friend to reach deeply into themselves and talk about their pain 
their physical, mental, emotional pains. And may go even deeper and talk about their spiritual difficulties with pain. And I believe that it's very, very important that when someone who has a mental, emotional, or physical pain express what that is. I know that there are churches that feel that a positive sense of homily or music should raise someone's depression or mental apathy. But the pain of depression or the pain of apathy is not really dealt with in its pure nature. And that there are a number of people who are in pain at these levels and need to truly feel it and express it through music that may be very sad, through someone who's actually experienced the same phenomena in their own life experiences. And by not feeling isolated because it has to be uplifted in a positive way, which is fine, but generally people may who feel isolated in their pains may feel even more isolated thinking that is everyone feeling uplifted through this music through the positive homilies and talks am I the only one who feels isolated and somewhat depressed I need someone to talk to about my inner pain and when you take that to the workplace, of course, you don't want to bring everybody down in the workplace, but the fact that management systems can encourage personal and spiritual transformation. Management can also display information and distribute employee assistance programs regarding some of their painful experiences that they bring to work. The servant leadership, the desire to serve others first in preference to the self, is another uh, spirituality that can be nurtured in the workplace. Stewardship, meaning leadership practices that support growth and well-being for others. Also, diversity programs that create inclusive cultures, the many different cross-cultural diversities, the cross-cultural competence of being able to understand where people are from different cultural groups. This holds true for so many different areas 
of our lives, whether it's religious, whether it's in the workplace as we talk about, whether it's your race, ethnic group, whether it's your sexual orientation. All these matter. All these are spiritual issues that people privately and or wish to, if they do, publicly express. So the workplace has a, a great a, 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 a ground for many of us to go to rather than just to survive and earn a check. It's there for communication and therefore uh, the diversity programs that create inclusive cultural understanding and also views of pain can be expressed even at the workplace. Likewise, the integration of core values and core business decisions and practices require leadership practice at the workplace because it all develops support, growth, and development for all employees. As we are combating the well-being crisis uh, during these uncertain days of that we are all struggling in the pandemic. Workplace cultures, whether it's locally, regionally, state, or nationwide, human resources and employers, look at the stress at work or the lack of work. The lack of work, whether you've lost your job, whether you are seeking work at this particular time, really has a tremendous effect on our spiritual nature, our physical, emotional, mental level, where we may feel nervous system pain, spinal pain, affecting our productivity in our life. These are areas that those persons who go to work, who are working, need to be motivated, spiritually motivated. Their mindfulness approach towards work. Now, according to Fortune magazine, 78% of Americans feel a need to experience spiritual growth, and half of these Americans say they will openly talk about the spiritual needs at work. As people become more lonely and isolated, according to a Harvard Business Review in 2017, Work 
and the loneliness epidemic is becoming a major factor in the workplace. Companies are turning to marketplace chaplains as a result to support, encourage, and care for their staff in a personal, human-to-human -human way. Now, the workplace chaplain has been trained to practice to listen. There's a big difference between hearing and listening. Of course, hearing is more of a physiological expression of, of, of something taking place in your, in your brain. However, listening is a bit deeper. There's much more attentiveness, single-pointedness, a mindfulness, listening to someone who is telling you or expressing themselves. And while you're listening deeply and attentively, in the present moment to someone, you're allowing that ability to listen without having to place judgment on whatever that person is saying or trying to convey. This is the, the chaplain. And in the workplace, this chaplain allows listening to workers, employees, listening to them rather than casting any judgment on them. Because there are so many people who need to be listened to. And as the Business Intelligence Journal reported in 2009, 85% of the participants replied yes in response to the question of whether or not leaders, spirituality, influence their organizations. Leaders, spirituality has a tremendous influence in their organizations. This is a well-being, spiritually well-being cultural strategy in the workplace that questions stress in the workplace and ask, do senior management communicate well? There is no one well-being. There are long hours there is bullying management styles. There's long working hours. And do managers, do they hire on the basis of their technical skills, that is the engineering skills, etc., Or what is considered to be more important in the spiritual workplace 
is their social skills, their good people skills. And therefore, people with both technical and people skills are necessary. As these people aspire to grow in the workplace culture. Traditionally, people were hired because of their technical skills. But now, through the spiritual workplace, there is a great desire for people good people with social skills combined with technical skills. The pyramid system as we, the hierarchical system in some ways may not have been as progressive and productive as what we thought because the pyramidal system cultivates segregation and discrimination. That's, this is my perspective. I believe a relational system is worth trying as the hierarchical system may not be as functionally capable because it causes and overall discontent. People skills is what we want. And to promote it as much as technical skills in the workplace. I hope that each and every one of you have benefited from our conversation today as we discussed spiritual issues and we'll continue to discuss more spiritual issues as we move into further episodes today we discuss the spiritual issues of spiritual pain and suffering its antidote spiritual well-being and also bringing the spiritual well-being into the workplace. I hope you to talk with you once again. This is Reverend Dr. Don O'Yao, uh, your spirit caster. We hope to see you and talk to you soon. Thank you.